Our reading this evening is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker, in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in your faith, that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass, and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now, we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. O Lord, have mercy on us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's an important truth for every Christian to realize that you cannot believe for anyone else. You cannot believe for someone else, you cannot have faith for them as much as you might wish it to be so. In fact, that's often something that is very frustrating for people, that you can't believe for others. Everyone must give an account of their own deeds, their own faith on the last day. Paul, if there was anyone, Paul would be one who wishes that he could believe for others. Paul, in another letter, describes how he wishes that he could give up his own salvation for the salvation of others. He's willing to do anything, to do whatever it takes so that some might be saved, but you can't believe for someone else. Paul giving up his salvation wouldn't save anyone else. Each person must stand before God on the last day and give an account. That's a dreadful thing that much of the world doesn't take very seriously, that notion, that idea of standing before God's throne and having to give an account, because we are so used to covering ourselves and imagining that will have an excuse, that will be able to make an explanation, that God, who is merciful and forgiving, that he'll overlook all of the things for which we are guilty. That's not how it is. We stand on the last day, and the question is asked, what have you done? What have you done? What have you believed? There is something remarkable, however, that Paul reveals in our lesson tonight about the relationship between your faith and the faith of others. It's not as though faith, the faith of one person has nothing to do with the faith of another person. In fact, there is a very important relationship. Although you cannot believe for someone else, your faith matters for the faith of others. Listen to what Paul says again. He was troubled because he had to leave the Thessalonians in such a hurry. And he was concerned, as he was when he left any place, that false teachers would come in or that persecution would arise or there'd be afflictions and the people would fall away from the faith. He was concerned and worried about their faith, 
because that is what was most important. That's what he worked. That's what he labored to sow among them, faith in God's promises. So Paul was away. He was in Corinth worrying about the Thessalonians, and when he could take it no longer, he sent Timothy. Timothy, his son in the faith, Timothy, who he held close to his heart, he said, finally, I can't take it any longer. I'm sending Timothy to you to get a report. I want to find out, dear Thessalonians, how you're doing. It was a tenuous time for Paul. He didn't know that maybe his labor had been in vain. Maybe they'd all gone back to the idols they had served before. But today we hear this great news. Timothy came back and he brought the good news of their faith and their love and has reported that they always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. It's as though there's this reunion, if not in person, at least in spirit. They're together still, Paul and those Thessalonians, those whom he had sowed the seed of God's word among. What does he say then about their faith? He says it comforts him. It comforts him in the midst of his affliction and distress. Their faith comforts him. It strengthens his own faith to see that others are holding fast to God's promises. It strengthens his faith to see that their faith is bearing fruit in love and good works. There's this marvelous passage from the book to the Hebrews, the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 11, which is the faith chapter of the book of Hebrews. It's all about the faith of the Old Testament patriarchs, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and David and Samson and Samuel. He goes through this entire list of all of these people who did marvelous things by faith. And then the writer to the Hebrews comments this at the beginning of chapter 12. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, those who have trusted in Jesus. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The writer to the Hebrews says, the faith of all of those men, all of those marvelous people whom God had called and chosen and brought close to him, their faith is our comfort. Look at the witness they give by their trust in God. They faced persecution and martyrdom, afflictions in abundance, and still they trusted in God. The writer to the Hebrews says, this is our hope. This is our comfort. How much more then also, when we take the witness of those who are not dead and gone, whose faith is in the past, but those whose faith is present right now. That's what Paul is marveling at. The Thessalonians believe right now. They are a testimony to God's faithfulness, to the surety of his promises, to the fact that he is faithful and will never leave them or forsake them, and that he will do among them exactly what he said he would do. Their faith, their faith encourages Paul. It should be the same way for us. I think we often fail to take stock of the miracles that abound all around us in the faith that exists in the hearts of our fellow believers. What a miracle it is. That anyone believes in Jesus is a miracle, and here we get to see it in abundance. What a marvel that the faith that God puts into our brothers and sisters' hearts produces fruit that they love with the love of Jesus. What a marvel it is that we get to see in others, even when we ourselves are afflicted or in distress, we get to see God doing good works among his people and so can be comforted that he will do the same for us. We should take comfort from the fact that God continues to strengthen and plant faith in the hearts of believers constantly. 
all the time. Every little baby that is baptized, every new person who hears of God's abundant love for them, every faithful person who dies, giving testimony to God's love, every one of those, every one of those hearts set on God should comfort us, should encourage us. In the same way, understand that your faith is the same thing for everyone else. When you live a life of faith, when you trust in God above all things, and when that faith bears fruit in your life, you provide comfort for everyone around you who also trusts in God. You're like a light shining in a dark place, and they get to see that God is faithful, that he is wondrous, and that he loves us, that he loves them even as he has loved you. When you live according to God's word, when you put your trust in God, when you do the hard things, and the painful things, because you know it is good and right and true. When you do not despair, when you do not let worry have the best of you, when you are not afraid, when you live in love, all of those around you who trust in Jesus are comforted. So keep up the good work. Do not let go. Do not relax. Do not think that your faith doesn't count for anything. It is a source of comfort for everyone around you. But there is more. There's something else to the relationship between your faith and the faith of others. This is what Paul says near the end. He says, I want to come and see you face to face, dear Thessalonians. I want to come and see you face to face so that I can supply what is lacking in your faith. Well, that's a remarkable thing for someone to say, for Paul to say that he can make up for what is lacking in their faith. How, does, how could he possibly do that? It goes back to what we confess in the Apostles' Creed, that the Holy Spirit is the one who makes faith how? By the gospel, by the declaration of God's love for us in Christ Jesus, by the forgiveness of sins announced from one person to the next. How is it that any of us have come to believe in Jesus? How is it that any of us have come to have faith at all? Not with a snap of the fingers or not by some mysterious blind miracle, but because someone shared the good news with us. And that is what Paul intends to do for the Thessalonians. Look, I'm coming, he says. I'm coming to see you face to face so that I can fill up what is lacking in your faith, so that I, by God's call, with the gospel, which is the power of God, I can help you, and I can strengthen your faith. Not something that he can do by his own might, but something that he can do confidently, because he knows where it has all come from. He knows that he has nothing that he has not received from God. He knows that this is how God loves us, that he puts us into each other's lives so that we can live together in faith and love and be strengthened and supported together as a body is strengthened and supported by all its members so that we can live following our head, Christ Jesus, confidently to eternity. Just as God uses surprising and strange and sort of ordinary things to give us so many other blessings, like water to wash away our sins, or bread and wine to feed us with Christ's body and blood, or with a simple word, a few words to forgive our sins, so also God uses you. More than you know, more than you could imagine, because of the faith that he's given to you. So treasure it. Put it to good use. Thank God for it. And rejoice that he makes such good use of you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.